Hello and welcome to this, the 41st episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Og McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And what an amazing week it has been for us we have been back out on the road with the brilliant fight night and it has been an absolute joy we were down at the gap arts festival in bally thomas in wexford which is just over the wicklow border um ironically enough not a million miles away from uh, from where my granddad lived uh, around the time of his death so very strange to be that to, to back down in that neck of the woods and bumping into people who had known him uh, which was quite pleasant and we had a lovely time down there a really nice lineup kind of put together uh, by the committee down there and uh, kind of spearheaded by Garrett Keogh who's a phenomenal actor in his own right um, he was kind of across a lot of it so we were absolutely delighted to get down to, to play the festival we had a really lovely time and this whole process of being back on the road with Fight Night is uh, is lovely for me uh, I'm really really enjoying it it feels great being back into it and on that topic it is nice that we can now bring you the other announcements that we were planning for this week uh, that we've been kind of teasing about the last couple of days and the word is that this touring a fight night ain't gonna stop anytime soon uh, we can confirm two more little events and excitements that are coming up over the coming weeks and months um, the first one of course being that we will be after the success of playing the Lizard Festival down in Skibbereen and do the whole marquee thing and rock and roll festival Fight Night will be playing at this year's Electric Picnic, which is massively exciting for me. Um, it's kind of such a, a cultural icon in the year in terms of such a broad spread of you know music and art and culture and politics and comedy and theatre that it's, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Uh, so we're really looking forward to getting down and doing that. Uh, it's, you know, it's a very different thing to do Fight Night in a festival setting like that. And, and by festival setting, I don't mean a traditional theatre festival, but you know, a, a rock festival as such. Um, um, so we're looking forward to getting back down there to do that and also the other announcement that we have is that even that is not the limit of the touring because at the start of October we will be off further afield to Finland of all places um, right the way up the north to a place called Olu which has uh, an Irish festival over there which has just the most amazing lineup put together there's uh, ourselves kind of representing the theatre end of things with Fight Night but they'll be tying into a whole season of screenings of Irish movies like Parked with Colin Meany and Sensation, the Donald Gleeson movie, and, and a few others are there as well. Uh, and then this incredible lineup of Irish music, including, um, I guess, most of the original Planksty members there, uh, and a load of other trad groups as well, which is just looking like an amazing lineup. We're going to be over there for, for the guts of a week uh, for a couple of performances of, of Fight Night right the way up north. It's kind of, it's not even Helsinki, it's a couple of hours north again of Helsinki, so not a huge amount of daylight not a huge amount of warm weather um but uh you know i guess we build up enough of a sweat doing fight night that we might just get away with it so uh, yeah lots of exciting touring stuff on the horizon for us which is very exciting the whole fight night machine just keeps on rolling away relentless we can't uh, we can't slow this show down so i guess we're going to keep on doing it and i guess i'm going to have to stay in shape for a little while longer no more booze or sweets for me but that's okay we can keep it going look as ever we bring you this podcast absolutely free of charge every week we've promised you that we won't ever charge for these things unless I kind of start not being able to pay the mortgage anymore and then I will definitely charge you all for all of them backdated uh, but you know we are of course looking for you to go and put your money into Irish theatre the whole ethos behind this podcast is to support promote and celebrate all that is great about Irish theatre what is the best way you can go and support go and buy yourself some tickets 
Simplest, easiest, most direct way to do it. Don't sit around on your arse saying, oh, there's not enough money in the arts. Go and put your money where your mouth is. Go and buy yourself some theatre tickets, if at all possible. I realise that, you know, times are tight for a lot of people and if theatre tickets you feel are outside your reach this week or this month, go on over to one of the crowdsourcing websites like fundit.ie. There's always loads of theatre companies over there running campaigns, particularly in the run-up to the theatre festival and particularly the Fringe Festival. So go on over there, see if you can throw a fiver someone's uh, way over there. Then, of course, there are ways you can support this podcast without putting your hand in your pocket tell people about the podcast whether that's the old-fashioned way in person over a cup of coffee or by sharing the link as a facebook post or maybe retweeting it on twitter and go and subscribe to the podcast on itunes which helps us out in their charts go back and listen to all our other episodes over on itunes which helps us out in their charts or leave us a review on itunes which really helps us out in their charts or you can just simply click to rate us over there on their five-star rating system that is a one-click deal it's 10 seconds of your time we'd really appreciate it you can of course as ever follow us rise productions on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash rise productions ireland or you can follow us on twitter we are at rise ireland and so that brings us to the bit that you've all been waiting for our guest this week and man when you talk about theatrical dynasties and theater royalty there's no name that looms over irish theater bigger than the brennans and uh, it is an absolute privilege for me to have had the chance this week to sit down with the great jane brennan uh, for what was a, a wonderful chat jane is a, a big hero of mine and someone i've had the opportunity and the, and the pleasure of working with a couple of times now um she's just an absolute gem an absolute diamond what a lady and what a stunningly stunningly talented actress um so great to sit down and chat to her about her journey through the business and and so many interesting different angles from different sides from you know setting up her own company to being an actress and now in her position on the on the board of the abbey so many different interesting insights into the world uh, she's an absolute superstar i love her to bits we're going to get straight into it here she is the wonderful jane brennan the wonderful jane brennan thank you so much for coming on the podcast this is dream come true territory for me we've been looking for you for a long time this makes me very happy well hello <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely it's a pleasure to be here excellent thank you very much for asking. so let us start as we start every week with the age-old question how, when, where, and why did a theatre in a career in the theatre seem appropriate for you? I have an idea of where this answer may go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I suppose, like yourself, um, it wasn't exactly alien territory. Coming from a theatrical family, um, uh, I was quite. Uh, I was. I was originally going to be the rebellious one who would um, run away from the circus to become right. a, an accountant or something, or a lawyer <laughs> or something, but. Um, never really seriously at heart did I ever believe I was really going to do something like that. Um, I was born into a mad family and continue the tradition of <laughs> madness. And um, yes, it was something that was just always there. And um, it's something I knew I grew up with. And uh, I was very attracted to, um, but was a bit wary of at the same time. Sure. Uh, because, um, well, because all my family had gone ahead of me and like my two brothers, two sisters, my parents, his, my father's mother and, you know, her brother-in-law was Harry O'Donovan and he had a company with Jimmy O'Dea and uh, O'Dea O'Donovan Productions and the, wow. he used to write all the pantos for Jimmy O'Dea and um, that's how my father actually got started was through O'Dea O'Donovan Productions and um, in the gaiety and, uh, you know, so that so it sort of goes back a bit, and my granny was used to write music and broadcast on yeah. two RN as it was originally I think and uh, what what became 
Radio Erin. And um, that's amazing. So, so then there's another generation back after. So that makes yeah. you third generation, and then the and next generation, everybody else, fourth. fourth generation. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. So it is really, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it came from my father's side, really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but uh, so yeah, so. T- you know, looking around me after I left school as, as to what what I might do, I didn't kind of leap into the business straight away, but I, I was quite cautious about it. But I did end up going to the Brendan Smith Academy and right. for, for a few terms, and then I went on to the Oscar School of Acting and uh, got my first part, which was um, my, my debut was as a ferret in Toad of Toad Hall. <laughs> and you um, got to dream big, Jane. You, you know, really got to go for those was, big ones. It was downhill all the way then after that. Where could you go after that? Um, I remember going home and saying to my, my parents, I got the part, I got the part. And they're going, pot, 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 pot. And I said, first ferret in total, total. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and from there, a glittering showbiz career. From there, he was born, yes. Wow. So, so have you recollections then, growing up as a kid, were there theatre people in and out of the house? Were you going to see your parents in shows or whatever? And... Like, are there people who at that stage you were looking up to as an inspiration going wow that's really amazing I'd like to be like her or I'd like to be like him um, I, there weren't that many theatre people in the house actually um, w- w- my main memory is of Radio Aaron of going in yeah. to my parents were both in the well my mother was in the radio rep for many 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 years and uh, my father was kind of in and out of it and uh, so I never actually saw my father on stage um, but uh, I was see my mother on stage um, but um, I, I also my, my earliest theatrical memories are really of going to see Barbara in the pantos right in the gaiety with Maureen Potter and um, having a totally skewed vision of the business because all the chorus girls and their sequins and their feathers and their glamour and I thought it was all you know false eyelashes and you know yeah. partying and you know so uh that was I. I used to look forward more to going backstage after the show than to actually seeing the show. Really? Yeah. So um, I can. I just. Rem- I used to love the whole atmosphere backstage yeah. and the whole, the smell of the gaiety. It had a very particular, uh, sort of. I don't know whether it was size or something that they put on the canvases right. or whatever they painted the scenery with. I don't know, but it had a very particular kind of scent. And then so it all. It was. It all seemed incredibly exciting. Um. But then, of course, you know you you've seen you see them in the downtimes as well. There's, there's you know, you know they're uh, struggling to make ends meet as well. So um, I suppose I saw both sides of the business really, yeah. and uh, uh, but uh, it, it, nothing really put me off. Nothing, nothing to so much as to put me off. So having gone the route that a lot of people did and kind of going through that that training and then going and making it, how how was that transition from okay I'm going to go to these training schools get a bit of experience on my belt and then go out and, and try and and try and make a go of it how how was that transition? Um, it was hard. It was very hard because um, I don't know that I was terribly good when I started off. I wasn't. Uh, I was very very shy person and. Okay. and uh, um, I think it took me a long time to kind of come out of my shell and um, I wasn't very good at going for auditions and things. I don't know that I presented myself in the best way or right. it was a bit sort of, you know, I wasn't going in going, hi, you know, <laughs> you see all these confident young people now and they're yeah. all so um, incredibly wonderfully confident and, um, you know, that's what you need. That's what you need. You need to be able to present yourself as somebody who's, you know, uh, 
who is fearless and um, absolutely up for it. And uh, so it kind of took me a while to, I had to learn that. That wasn't something yeah. that came naturally to me. I think I had to learn by bitter experience. <laughs> as <laughs> um, we all do, I as guess. really everyone does, yeah. I mean, I suppose nobody is totally... Uh, well, uh, very few people love yeah. love auditioning, do they? <laughs> <laughs> um, but some people just have a handle on it better than others, and uh, so um, and then I suppose that the family thing with the, with the family name, in some ways, that was a, a help, and in some ways, it was a hindrance because you know people knew who I was and they knew my background, and but. Um, on the other hand, it was a bit of, oh, God, not another one, you know. Yeah, it's a strange, because I, I mean, obviously I get asked it a bit, you know, do you feel yeah. that having the name behind you is a help or a mm. hindrance? And I, I honestly don't know, because it's never, like, presumably it never gets you a gig. You never get a gig because no. you are a Brennan. No. It might open a door for you, but unless you go in and perform on the yeah, day, exactly. it's I mean, not going to happen. It, could, it might open a door for you at the start of your career, but yeah. it's not going to keep opening doors, you know. Yeah, nobody's exactly. going to risk, you know... Uh, hundreds of thousands of euros on your, you yeah. know, on your family name, are they? You yeah. know, so, uh, um, so you've got to prove yourself, and like everyone else, I think I had to as well. And um, it, it took a bit of time. I think training for me was very valuable in that yeah. way because um, it it sort of um, it it knocked the edges off me, it knocked the corners off me, and so, you know, it, it sort of. Um, prepared me a little bit better because even though I came from a theatrical background you know actually going in and rehearsing and doing it is such a different thing from what it is in your head yeah, your course. fantasy about going and playing St. Joan when you're 17 you know you're, you, you think you can do that yeah, and uh, you, you, it's only when you uh, actually start and realise oh, there's a bit more to this than just uh, it's like my brother Paul when he was a child wanted to be a conductor and he uh, was given a, a birthday present of a baton as a, right. as a, and he thought that you just had to wave the baton and the music would happen and of course um, it's marginally it's more complicated marginally than more complicated that. that so so in a way um, yes I had to uh, learn that as well through yeah. a little bit of training uh, in terms of a support structure around you with so many of the family in the business, what, was that something that you could go and draw on or were you all kind of ploughing your own individual furrows and kind of getting on with your own things? I think it's, uh, it, one really just ploughs with own furrow obviously, but um, it's a great help if, if something goes wrong or if you've had a bad experience, you know, you can go and cry on somebody's shoulder and they understand absolutely yeah. what you're talking about. And uh, yeah. so I think with you know, with my parents, for instance, you know, I, I could, you know, I could say, you know, God, you know, a terrible audition, you know, tears, and I made an idiot of myself, and they were going, well, you, you know, that's just part of the business, you yeah. know, you've got to pick yourself up and on, onwards and upwards, <laughs> and, and, you know, when you feel least able to do that, for somebody to just say it to you, you know, that's, that's part of it, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, you sort of go, yeah, it is, and, you know, so you get, you kind of get, you know, so, it, 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 it's good to have um, people who you who you can re who really understand uh, yeah. in your family uh, what what the pitfalls are. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, keep your feet on the ground, and you know, a uh, little bit of uh, criticism, or, you know, that you can take, knowing yeah. that it's it's intended as help. Yeah, you. and it's coming from the right yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess mm. that's a useful thing. Mm. So then. How early did your association with the Abbey start? 
Um, well, actually, the very, 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 very first thing I did in the Abbey, I was a walk-on in the, in the, uh, the Countess Kathleen right. uh, in 1979. I was 19. That's giving away my age <laughs> now. But um, I was a walk-on in that. And uh, then I didn't do... Then I kind of actually went... I went off to Druid. I, I uh, auditioned to, for Gary Hines and... After about three auditions, she's as fastidious as ever. Um, I got a part in a Geraldine Aaron play and went down for seven weeks and stayed for three years in Galway. And uh, we've heard that before. Frank Lafferty, I think, had yeah, a similar situation. Many, to that. many uh, people have fallen into that <laughs> same dangerous trap. Um, but it was fantastic experience. It was just you know you could I couldn't have got better experience and I had great fun at the same time. So it was. It was an, an amazing sort of. Actually, that would really be my uh, my school of acting was was those three years right. in, in Druid, and um, so then I came back to Dublin and I got to play Eliza and Pygmalion in The Gate, and then the following year I got into uh, a Crucial Week in the Life of a Gross Assistant, assistant in the Abbey. That was about eighty seven, eighty eight. Sure. And um, from then on, I sort of was working on and off in the Abbey quite a lot, and and in The Gate. But then uh, Patrick Mason, when Patrick took over in the Abbey, he gave me a contract. Uh, it was two years. It was actually initially a year. And he said, you're going to play this, this and this. And you're going to, uh, you know, it'll be things you want to do. And then maybe a couple of things you don't sure. particularly want to do. But, um, but, what, but the two leading roles he offered me in the first year were St. Joan and... Uh, Vera in the wake, Tom's right. uh, play, Tom Murphy's, my husband's play, <laughs> and um, they were saying, "Oh yeah, we know how you got that part." <laughs> but actually, it was Patrick Mason who cast me, and um, so there was no turning that down. Yeah. So I, then I worked quite a lot with Patrick through his directorship there. I did um, quite a few shows, Secret Fall of Constance Wilde, and things like that. Which toured, you know. Well, lot. that's the thing. I mean, mm. we've spoken a bit to people before about, mm. you know, the significance of playing at the Abbey, playing at the mm. National Theatre, and, and how a lot of people feel it is pulling on the green jersey. It's like, you know, you're it playing is, for yeah. Ireland. But whatever that sense of playing for Ireland while you're here on Abbey Street, yeah. presumably taking that around the world must be the greatest feeling in the world. Well, it's extraordinary how, uh, what kind of reverence people abroad have for the Abbey. I mean, it has a, I mean, as a, I hate using the word brand, yeah. but as a brand, it is. It's very uh, strong, and um, it's 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 recognised in you know America, Australia, Britain, you know places where I've toured. Um, it's it's uh, you know people are, are you know sort of talking sort of hushed tones about you know the Abbey. It's a it's it does have a, a big reputation. Do you think we exploit that enough here? Um, I don't think so because I don't. I think the Abbey here has always been, and possibly rightly so in a way, has always been a sort of a. Uh, in a way, it's a it's like a sounding board for the rest of Irish theatre. You know, the Abbey has a kind of it's such a unique place in our. It's 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 got such a big, you know, it's, it's funding. It's got such big funding. It's got, you know, it's an institution. You know, it goes. And it's so it, deeply ingrained in our history. In our history, you know. it's it's a it's a and then so. People either resent it and hate it, or they either love it. And um, I think it's I think it's very important. It is a very important place in Irish theatre. Yeah. As a kind of 
something to kick against or something to aspire to. Yes, and, or both at the same time. Both, and usually it's both at the same time, <laughs> which I think is quite a healthy thing. Yeah. And um, so, uh, and also um, because of the size of its uh, grant, um, it, it, it is quite, it has quite a, you know, it brings theatre to quite a, a central place on, on sort of yeah. political agenda. And, you know, I think if that was taken away, I think theatre could be very marginalised yeah. and, um, you know, it, it, uh, I don't know that the money taken from the Abbey would necessarily go to the places we would want it to go. Yes. So, uh, you know, I think we all, those of us who are lucky to have maybe one or two Abbey jobs a year, need the, you know, the Abbey salary, which is yeah. something approaching uh, <laughs> a living wage uh, as compared to, you know, other companies are yeah. struggling to do your own work, as you know, where you're just kind of... Uh, trying to pay people something approaching yes. you know decent money and it's very hard but uh, so the Abbey at least can can, can pay people um, and your new role at the Abbey um, mm, along with the acting work mm, that you're still doing there is that you're now officially on the board yeah I'm on the board how, you believe? how wonderful <laughs> and or terrifying is that um, well it, uh, initially I was uh, bemused actually <laughs> to be asked I, go, I was like why me uh, but it's actually I found it very very interesting um, I think because I'd had a certain amount of experience running Bespoke yes. um, with Alison McKenna that uh, that may have been why I was, I was asked uh, um, because they have to have representation from all different categories sure. in the Abbey and uh, so the artistic representation is usually an actor and a writer or director or um so um so i found it really interesting and uh, just to see the whole spectrum of how the how the big monster works yeah and um i mean i haven't quite got my head around it fully yet but uh, i think that would take some time yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i mean i think it's a really it's an interesting beast of an institution but i think yeah. i think it's it's great that it has people like yourself in there to you know to keep an eye on things because if it's only financial experts or whatever else yeah. you start getting into box ticket exercises sometimes whereas oh, you need you know it could so easily fall into that and uh, it's really crucial that there are artistic people on the board or you know uh, and also staff you know uh, this uh, John Finnegan is it? Yeah, who's uh, from the staff he's you know he is also a very important re- representative uh, there and uh, because he knows what's going on on, on the ground yeah. and uh, what people are saying and you know uh, he's there all the time so uh, then I like I'm just going to see myself as a sort of artistic Jiminy Cricket really you know? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not that you can you can actually change very much or do sure. very much because that's the executive's job and you yeah. know, they're all albeit they're answerable to the board but um, you can you can have a say in, in certain things and uh, so it's 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 interesting you have to figure out how it works and and it's I'm just sort of figuring it out as I go along really. I mean, have you any grand scheme or grand wish for something you'd like to? try and change or achieve or instigate while you're there or is it just like you say the 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 creative chimney crew yeah. the artistic chimney well i think i've no grand scheme of thing yeah. or anything i i think that um i suppose like anything and anywhere you 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 pick your battles and you yeah. know there's no there's no point in going into somewhere like a big institution like the abbey and thinking right i'm going to change everything yeah. um because um 
you, you know, you quickly realise actually that you're not going to be able to do that. So, um, so you, you do, you, you kind of, um, you know, you, you, you pick your moments and what's appropriate when. And so you're campaigning for lots of one-man shows for me? Yes, of course. Good, Angus. that's good. I'm, that's I'm very glad to hear that. I hope Angus is on this. <laughs> yeah. um, let's backtrack a little bit to those early days with Druid. Because mm-hmm. I'm intrigued as to, uh, because Druid have gone on to become, you know, Druid, yeah, and that yeah. Gary Hines has gone on to become Gary yes, Hines, yeah. I'm wondering how much mm-hmm. at the time was that evident, how exciting the time was it to be there, mm-hmm. how much were you looking around at people like Gary going, wow, this is the real deal, this is really exciting. Absolutely, I was looking at her thinking exactly that. Um, they were just kind of on the crest of a wave. They had been, a couple of years before, they'd been to Edinburgh with a play that Gary wrote, actually, called Island Protected by a Bridge of Glass, and they'd won a fringe first. And right. There had been certain rumblings in the Irish Times from various people like Fintan O'Toole and things like that, I think, you know, about this company. And uh, people were kind of going, oh, they were, so people were very aware of them and... and um, and then they did their great production of Playboy that yeah. Gary directed. There was, I think it was their second time to do it. And um, Breach Brennan played Peggy and Melissa Stockard played uh, Christy. And it was a fantastic cast. They were all fantastic. And they went to London with that and they toured with that. And suddenly they were, you know, winning awards. And so I joined them just at that time. They're just on the crest of a wave. And I was very lucky. Yeah. And uh, so I got to work with them. There was a, a sort of Annus Mirabilis where they, um, they, they produced uh, the premiere of Conversations in the Homecoming, uh, Tis Pity She's a Whore, The Importance of Being Earnest. They toured Playboy to London <laughs> and they produced the premiere, premiere of Bolly Gongora with Siobhan McKenna all in the one year. That's and, insane. Yeah, and they people like Kieran Hines working there, and uh, you know Sean McGinley, Marie Mullen, all the usual suspects. But they were fun. You know, it was just. How did any company do that much in one year? Well, that's what people used to be able to do at one point, wow. and, and uh, it was, yeah, it was an amazing year. And uh, I think we all who worked and drew it that year look back, kind of going, "Wow, that was." Yeah. You know, you don't kind of quite realise it at the time when you're in it, but looking back, I think, wow, that was amazing. You know, it's such an such an amazing amount of, of fantastic work. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a phenomenal thing, and I think you know the the amount that they've achieved over the years is just staggering, yeah. and, and going on to kind of cement their position. You know, yeah. from you know, and, and kind of keeping on the west coast and keeping going yeah. is basically yeah, it's extraordinary. Is, is really important to that as well it seems yeah I mean I think I mean uh, it's, uh, I really do believe it's down to Gary and her drive and her vision and, and also her, her brother the late Jerome Hines I mean I think they they started it on such a firm base of you know artistic integrity and and it was run really well by Jerome you know yeah um, and organising, you know, the vision they had to bring their shows abroad to, yeah. you know, to, to take the big risks, to, to believe in themselves well, to the that extent. What's the scope of that ambition that's yeah. just, yeah. you know, it's yeah. simultaneously terrifying and really encouraging yeah. as well. Basically, well, you know, 
let's go for it. Why yeah, not? absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. You talked earlier about the fact that you've done obviously quite a bit of work at the Abbey, but you've also done a bit of work at the Gate, and mm. you know it kind of seems that in some respects there is a, a barrier between those two places. The traffic for actors between the two isn't always all that common. How do you find working between the two venues? Well, to be honest, once I started working at the Abbey under Patrick, I stopped working at the Gate, <laughs> and I haven't worked there since. Right, okay. So that answers so that. that, answers that question. <laughs> It's a strange. I mean, it's a strange thing. You think, you know, in a in a town as small as Dublin and a country as small as Ireland, it yeah. seems like a very strange one. Yeah, I haven't worked in the gate since uh, nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Yeah. So. It's yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know why. I think. Uh, yeah, it's one of those ones. I mean, we've talked to a couple of people about it. And kind of, it's just it's it was yeah. ever thus, and that's yeah. just kind of the nature of it, I yeah. guess. Uh, it's a strange one. But look, mm. let's talk about. Bespoke and how it came about and why it came about. Right. <laughs> yes, that was another mad thing that uh, I found myself getting embroiled in um, with Alison McKenna. Um, it, two actors having a chat over a cup of tea, moaning about no work and what we'd like to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I can't remember which one of us said, well, you know, we, probably Alison, well, why don't we do something together? And, and I said, yeah, I said, that's kind of been on my mind, but I just had no idea how to go about it. Yeah. And, and um, so this was in 2001. And uh, so Alison said to me, I was, I was kind of saying, you know, I, I think, you know, it would be really good to have a sort of actor-based company where, yeah. where we choose roles, roles for actors as opposed to choose the plays and then choose, the, you know, to try and make it a kind of actor-centred thing. And, uh, but I was kind of just talking, <laughs> as you do. And Alison said to me, what would you like to do? And I said, oh, I'd love to play Electra and Frank McGuinness's version of Electra. I think it's an amazing version and I just love it. And so Alison said, right, well, I'll ask Frank for the rights. And I went, right, okay. So the next day she, she comes back to me and she said, Frank says we can do Electra. And I sort of really, you know, fell off my chair. Talk about having your bluff called. Oh God, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so I said, okay, uh, how do we get the money to do this? And so, um, Alison being a brilliant organiser, uh, we, we set about fundraising and we went to, uh, I went to uh, Julian Erskine in Riverdance and uh, said, do you by any chance have money to throw away? On Down the back of his office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, actually we, we do uh, do that. And um, he said, you need to bring a sort of presentation of what, what it is and so I, I did, and he looked at it, and we, we made a thing up, you know, and said what it was. And he looked at it and he said, well, if it wasn't you, I would just put this in the bin because it's so badly presented and it's, you know. So, uh, but he took us on, he kind of mentored us a bit and right. um, made us have a launch the company and mm. gave, you know, and also another person who was very good to us was Mary Rooney, who who basically mentored Alison in right. PR and... Uh, Alison's also got a great business sense, so she that combined with Alison's own business sense. Yeah. And you could have asked for two better mentors, so, really. No, incredible. So um, you know they 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 were incredibly generous yeah. and uh, supportive. So with with that sort of kick start, you know it, it got more and more frightening because it was getting bigger and bigger, and I'm going, oh my god, you know we launched the company in you know in Tyrone House, and we're you know there's 
it, it, it just it just kind of snowballed. Right. And um, I was kind of hoping to do a little show in the cube or something that <laughs> maybe you know, ease your way into twenty five people might hear about it. But anyway, uh, it it sort of it did it snowballed and it became quite a big thing. And then Frank McGuinness agreed to direct. Electra, and right. so and then Robert Ballas said he would design it, and so so it all kind of became <laughs> right, okay. it became something much bigger than I had ever yeah. imagined, and uh, so once we uh, uh, once we got that show under our belt, um, and it was successful. I remember it was an astonishing performance. We, I have to we, say, well, really, <laughs> thank you very much. It was uh, uh, it was a big learning curve um, and in fairness Alison did most of the producing on it because right. I, I was in, in it yeah. and I was kind of immersed in it so uh, then the following year we did The Drunkard which uh, we got my I sort of cajoled Tom into doing a version of uh, Mad that was a mad idea that was completely off the wall I don't know why I thought of that but anyway uh, we decided we wanted to do a big melodrama and uh, get some actors out there who could show off a bit. And right. So we, we did, we got a great cast, and Stephen, Pauline McGlynn, and Nick Dunning, and various, you know, fantastic bunch. A uh, stage debut for Rory Nolan, if I'm right? A stage debut for Rory Nolan. I discovered Rory Nolan. That's my You're responsible for it, then. I am responsible. <laughs> I claim total responsibility for that. Um, yeah, and we had a few debuts in that. We had Gemma Reeves yes, as well. Yes, of course. And... Uh, Sarah Brennan, who wasn't quite her debut, but she, uh, and uh, I think there was somebody, I can't remember. It was Sarah Jane Drummy, who was quite established at that time, yeah. but she was uh, terrific in it. But in terms of family connections between Stephen playing it, I believe, had your dad played it before? He had, yeah. Years previously? Yeah, that's actually where I'd kind of heard about it. We'd seen, you know, we had these photographs at home of this production that Hilton Edwards had done of The Drunkard and Hilton had done the version himself and apparently it was a rip-roaring success and and it was revived many times because people loved it and uh, there are these hilarious photographs and the real sort of um, murder in the red barn kind of vibe Uh, the villain with the big curly moustache and you know all of that and um, but I knew we couldn't do it exactly like that and uh, it wouldn't quite work and uh, we had notions of, of what we wanted to do with it but we didn't have the skill ourselves to do it right. and so I tried to make an attempt at, at, at doing uh, some work on it myself but I knew it was, I was way out of my depth so um, so I happened to have a, a writer handy at home. <laughs> just knocking around uh, the house yeah, okay. just, uh, who isn't too bad as writers go it has to be said he's coming on yeah, he's, <laughs> he's getting there um so yeah, so he, uh, strangely enough, he was obviously at a very loose end at the time. Agreed to do it, and um, um, it was it was it was terrific. So that was a, quite a big uh, risk for us to do that, and uh, because it worked, I mean, for the first three years, we, we 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 were getting funding from various different places. We didn't yeah. have Arts Council funding at that stage, so then eventually, three years in, we finally got funding, and we went mad and we did two plays, and. Uh, we lost money on that. Right. So we had to kind of then scrabble our way back to sort of, uh, our choices then became a little bit more limited to what might be commercial, which is, the, it's the killer. Yeah. It's the killer because you then, you then money is the consideration and yeah. not the, not, you know, so you're not, so I, there were then after that a couple of plays that I did that I wouldn't necessarily have 
you know, been passionate about, sure. but I knew that they would bring in the punters. Yeah, and, and that it might buy you the freedom yeah. to then go and do the shows that yes, you might be passionate about. Yes, exactly. So, but then the Arts Council aren't happy with you when you, ha- when you start to do shows that, right. you know, aren't necessarily... Uh, you know the the one you know the ones that are going to tick all their boxes. Yeah, so, so there's a kind of a it's a vicious circle. You know, you're you're trying to balance your books and you're trying to please the arts council, and that actually doesn't very often um, yeah. work. It's a tough one, and also you do you find yourself getting wrapped up completely in just trying to second guess everybody, trying to second guess audiences, trying yeah. to second guess trends in theatre and what will exactly, be popular yeah. in the next yeah. year, yeah. trying to second guess what will keep the arts council happy or what they might yeah. be prioritising in the next round or yeah. something, and it becomes. A very difficult thing to try and juggle. Yeah, it does. It really does. And uh, you know, we had no, we had, we were on sort of one-off special project grants, yeah. and uh, so we didn't have a kind of infrastructure structure of a office or a building or yeah. you know any of that. And it became very stressful. It became very hard to kind of feel that the entire burden of the entire thing was you know you were taking all the risk yeah. and had all the responsibility and were getting paid buttons for it so after until so I I was with it for was it seven or eight years and then I stepped back and Alison kept going for another couple for another year Um, but then the Arts Council stopped funding so that was it Uh, which was which was a shame so uh, uh, yeah, so so it it kind of it, it it probably had a natural life cycle. Maybe yeah. maybe it was the right time to stop, but um, it's very hard to build a head of steam. I think with a small company like that, it's very hard to get onto the next rung of the ladder. Yes, um, which is you know we we did we did get um, annual fun- they did say we would get annual funding one year and then the following year that that was taken away again. So. Um, I think people. I think they didn't really know. Uh, they wanted us to be more. Um, they wanted to be able to pigeonhole us a bit more than, than and, and we were about sort of being fairly eclectic and wanting yeah. to you know try different styles and do different things, um, but that didn't quite work. Well, it's that thing you, again. You talk about you know being pigeonholed. You kind of feel that well, we're the physical theatre company, yeah, or we're the yeah. do new writing company, or we're yeah, the whoever. Yeah. That, and if you don't fit neatly into one of those boxes for them, it can be hard for them. To yes, because then they say, oh, well, you're just like the Abbey or the Gate, or you yeah. know, they're they're doing those plays, and actually they weren't. You know, yeah. I don't know anybody who would have taken on the Drunkard. I <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, or or Boston. Well, I know the Gate eventually did Boston Marriage and. Uh, Family stories and Teos Verdes, nobody would have done touched those plays. Um, so I felt it was a little bit unfair when when we were told that, you know, we, we were, you know, repeating what other companies were doing. Um, but anyway, what can you do? That's it. As you look back on it, are, are you delighted that you did it? Are you wiser for having gone through it? Was it? more stress possibly than it was worth was it all of the above again it was probably all of the above and uh, but what, what i came out of it with was um realizing what a fantastic job acting is right <laughs> um, that that you know the, the the i remember the first job i did after all of the bespoke experience yeah. which was really valuable really was and i learned i did learn an awful lot and i learned to appreciate so much more what everybody else does yes. in, 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 the, in, the, in the business. Um, but going into to do, the, I can't even remember what show it was, but 
thinking, I only have to worry about this and I don't have to worry about, you know, the furniture, the, <laughs> are we insured, you know, what's, <laughs> you know, is there enough money in the bank to pay for this, you know, and, uh, and actually it brought me back to a new love of, of acting, which I had kind of fallen a bit out of love with. Right. Um, uh, and so uh, I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot more since, you know, that's brilliant. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the enjoyable moments of the acting world because I want to talk to you a bit about awards and the notion of awards because you have a couple of awards, a couple of nominations under your belt at yeah. this stage. And it's a strange one because it feels, I think a lot of actors can be quite sceptical about awards, yeah. but it, that becomes a thing of if you're sceptical and cynical and you're winning them, then you're ungrateful. Or if yeah. you're sceptical and cynical and you're not winning, then you're just you know jealous of the rest. Yeah. How do you feel about the whole world of awards in the world of theatre? Well, mm, I don't know. Um, I, I, I have to say, when I won my, uh, my award for uh, Alice Trilogy, I, I was thrilled. I was, and I didn't expect to be. Right. I, I, I kind of, I was a bit cynical. I was going, oh, you know, <laughs> awards, you know. Yeah. Um, because, I, because I'd done stuff that I considered quite big and never got nominated and then and then and then I got nominated actually the first nomination for the Irish Times Awards I got was for the house which was actually a real surprise to me because I really didn't expect it and um, I was quite chuffed and and so ha- so I went from uh, having been ignored serially ignored and, and thinking harumph you know yeah. this is all a load of nonsense to being quite to, to 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 discovering when I was nominated that I was actually quite chuffed and it was actually quite nice, um. So I think, really, no, actually, I think what what all the awards do are bring it's publicity for the yeah. business and I find the night itself usually very nice and yeah. uh, good fun, a great chance for everyone to meet and catch up and, you know, we don't get a chance to, outside of opening nights which yeah. are horrendous, <laughs> um get together yeah. everybody and have a party and celebrate each other and uh, I always find that the atmosphere on those nights is actually really warm and mm. really supportive at least that's been my experience anyway um, they don't matter a damn they don't get you work they don't mean you know somebody who thought you were crap before you got nominated it's for still, <laughs> still going to think you were crap after you win your award as definitely is the case um, so you know they don't they don't really mean anything, but they're very nice if you get one. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an odd one. Let's uh, talk to me a bit about, for you, the difference between stage work and screen work for you. Is that, I, I think that's easy for you to juggle. Uh, are they very, very different? Are you more at home in one or the other? Do you get more excited by one or the other? Um... I suppose I've done loads more theatre than I've done screen work, but uh, the screen work I've done, I've really enjoyed. I loved it. Um, and it's the very different challenge and, you know, the, the, the short, sharp period of concentration yeah. and the, you know, the, the intensity of that, you know, it's kind of, the, you know, lights, camera, action, you know, <laughs> you're kind of, well, you know, it's, you know, it took it, it. does take a bit of getting used to because of the, the slow burn of theatre is. You know, you've got your all your weeks rehearsal, and you've got, you know, it's it's um it does as a as, as somebody who's done a lot more theatre, it does, it's it's taken me a while to get used to the uh, instant mm. performance. You know, um, 
just doing it and having to be right on top of it and having all your homework done and yeah. um, completely and you very often don't get very much rehearsal mm. so you've got to be just you've just got to be on it straight away and uh, but I really enjoyed the challenge of that and uh, it's it's kind of I would compare it to like a uh, a sprint as opposed to a marathon yes. you know it's, it's uh, they're the same kind of activity but they're completely different in, do you find that one can feed into the other for you do you feel if you've had uh, if you're coming off the back of a, a TV or a film thing that it, it changes how you approach a, a theatre show or do you feel if you're coming from a long run on stage that you're that you know the thing of being hit it on the moment is there that it's that, that those muscles are more primed maybe yeah I think if you're working a lot um, I think I, I think uh, you're more as you say primed you're more uh, you're you're those muscles are flexed already and you're kind of um, I think if you're coming out and doing the odd day it's very very hard I find because I've done a lot of this where you just go into a film or a, a television thing and you're just doing a day or two days and you're kind of beamed into this other planet yes um, where everyone else has been working on it for months and months and months and I, I did a lot of, I was in the Tudors and I did a lot of kind of you know days spread far apart so they're all you know in the zone and they're all and you're kind of being beamed in and uh, trying to get into that you know mindset um it's it's tricky it's tricky you know uh, i've I've never been actually in something where I've had a huge role and I'm there all the time right. on, on film so uh, I'd love to uh, experience that and and, and uh because it's, it's almost a sort of you know, almost sort of feel like you're apologising for your presence when you arrive and <laughs> on set and everyone knows everyone else and you know right. it's, it's quite a strange feeling it's 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 tricky, um, so you it can be quite nerve wracking actually, uh, in a funny kind of way. But then usually people are very nice and you know you make you feel at home and you've people running around dancing attendance on you not not like not like in the theatre, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's. Uh, it's a, it, they're very different. They're very different. I find them incredibly different. Well, talking then about getting back to the theatre, uh, we have a very exciting show coming up at the National Theatre at the Abbey for the for the theatre festival which you're going to be part of. Yeah, um, the picture of Dorian Gray, which Neil Bartlett has done a version of, and uh, he's adapted it. Yeah, he's adapted it. Sorry, and uh, and he's going to direct as well. And he's going to direct it as well. And um, he's, uh, I think he's a wonderful director. He did. a terrific production of An Ideal Husband in the Abbey a couple of years ago and uh, I thought it was fantastic. So I'm really keen to work with him and um, there's uh, an English actor playing Dorian who I don't know um, but he looks amazing. Right. He looks quite rock and roll actually. He's more kind of David Bowie than... Okay, that's pretty boy. It's not pretty boy, okay. boy band looks. It's, it's, he's, a, he's a seriously interesting looking guy. And... Um, yeah, there's lots of fabulous ladies in it. Um, Kate O'Toole, Ali White, Barbara McQueen, Lisanne McLaughlin, Susanna Derrickson, myself. And we're all floating around as ladies of the chorus, which is, he's going to have this sort of uh, chorus. And I don't know how that's going to work. But, yeah. uh, and then there's, there's lots of wonderful um, men in it as well. Um, Bosco Hogan and um, there's... Frank McCusker, of course, yeah, playing a, Basil. Indeed, Howard, well, yes. it's, it's a pretty spectacular and, cast to um, together. So, uh, there's, it's it should be really interesting. Um, he's got a he's got a great concept, and uh, it, it's and I think it's something that requires a concept because it's yes. obviously not a play as yeah. such. Um, it's it's adapted and and uh, 
so he's he's got some really interesting ideas about how to stage it. So yeah, and, and nice to be at the National Theatre for the big theatre festival as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't done that in God, it's ten years or more since I've done a, a festival show at the Abbey. Right. And uh, in fact, I think Constance Wilde was another wild yes, uh, thing. So uh, yeah, that that was I think the last one I did for the festival. Um, so it's uh, and that is a sort of slightly added pressure being the festival yes, and the yes, Abbey indeed. and you know, so uh, yeah, it'll be. But I think it'll be very exciting, one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. A, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I'm delighted. It's a show I'm really looking forward to getting to see. I think mm. you're going to be as phenomenal as ever. I can't wait to go and see you. I think it's going to be great. Jane, thank you so much for having the chat. I really, really appreciate that. Not at all. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it. The awesome Jane Brennan. What a pleasure it was to sit down and chat to her. Such an absolute lady and such a phenomenally talented actress. Uh, like I said, I've had the chance to work with Jane quite a couple of times now and uh, it's always such a pleasure. Jane was on um, Burial of Thebes that we did back uh, at the Peacock at the Abbey a couple of years ago with Declan Condon and Gemma Reeves and uh, a whole heap of amazing actors and actresses. Um, and it was just such an amazingly brilliant show to work on um, obviously Patrick Mason was directing that that you heard Jane talking about and stuff and it just just such a wonderful experience overall I look back on that as you know arguably one of the absolute highlights of my career today just such a pleasant show to be around and uh uh, just she's just so, such a great part of that, and obviously we worked together since on Hamlet and stuff. I I, I love her to bits. I just think she's absolutely brilliant, and uh, and I'm so glad that we're going to get to see more of her now coming up at the Abbey sometime soon. So look, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of what is going on around town and around the country. Um, the three theatre upstairs has Perfidia uh, by Jimmy Murphy, backed by popular demand. Um, the Viking Theatre has Tuesdays with Mori. Uh, Project has Much Ado About Nothing with the great Terry Orr, who I'm very glad to say we've had work for us here at Rise Productions before. Such a wonderful, wonderful guy, an amazing actor. Um, the Gate has A Woman of No Importance, continuing there. Bewley's Cafe Theatre has Village Wooing. Um, Smock Alley has loads of stuff going on at the moment. Uh, coming in for a short run is The Last Burning. Then Ramblin' Man are also back in there with True West, which did so well for them earlier on this year, which really looks like it's a, an amazing production, which I, for whatever reason, because I was so busy earlier on in the year, didn't actually get a chance to see, so I shall definitely be buying my tickets for that one this time around. Um, and all also going on in there is The Hunt for Red Willie from a new company called Exit Excitedly uh, and that's a show that last played at the Peacock maybe 10 or 12 years ago so uh, great to get another chance to go and, and see that piece um, the new theatre has The Pitch and uh, obviously the Abbey Theatre has uh, has that all conquering production of The Plough and the Stars from uh, Wayne Jordan which is always worth going and checking out. As we look around the country down to Cork uh, Gorilla Days in Ireland is still at the Everyman uh, and then as ever the there's a million different shows going on at Cork Arts Theatre. Best thing to do is go and check out their website for all the details there because they've got lunchtime slots and evening slots uh, and shows currently running and shows coming up. So they're at corkartstheatre.com. Um, the Town Hall Galway has The May by Marina Carr from Mephisto Theatre Company. Uh, and Marina Carr is just such a phenomenal writer. That is certainly a show you should go and make it your business to go and check out if at all you are out the West. And down in Kilkenny, our friends at Devious Theatre will be showing Phantasm, uh, which they ran at uh, Solstice at Cork Midsummer earlier this summer, as far as I know, and also played at the Owen Ree Festival when we were down there in Kilkenny for uh, with Fight Night. So they'll be doing Phantasm at Clears Theatre as well, and I will certainly be buying my tickets to go down and check that out. So look, that is us. That is episode 41 in the books. We will, of course, be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. This has been the Rise Production 
Productions Irish Theatre Podcast for Angus Og McAnally. I'm Angus Og McAnally. We'll see you next week. <laughs>